All right, so, so we've been talking about the reward of faithfulness. Our foundational scripture, of course, has been Luke 16, uh, verses 10 through 12. Luke 16, you know, um, just talking about how when you're, he is faithful in the least, we faithful in the much. Uh, you know, if you're unjust in the least, you'll be unjust in the much. You know, it talks about he that's faithful in another man's God will give him his own. So we, you know, we spent a, a good time last week. Uh, if you're out there and you haven't heard the last, uh, uh, the other three messages, you know, just, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, some great insight on just, just the value of faithfulness, but how, um, some of the reality of faithfulness is not understood. So we're frustrated at, in, in the middle ground. Sometimes we're in the middle ground where there's so much more God has for us, but, but it's, it's, uh, the rewards on the other side of uh, completion of faithfulness. So we had talked about that the other week too. Sometimes we're operating incomplete faithfulness. And, and you know, this is, this is a very interesting life because if we're the person that measure our faithfulness, most of us would say we're faithful. <laughs> you know, that if, if, if we're the measure, we'd be like, yeah, you know, man, ain't nobody did this. <laughs> but it's, then we hit with the root. The, the weird reality that God is not comparing our faithfulness to our assessment of ourselves. You know, that's, I remember a long time ago, a young man, uh, I've been mentoring him for a long time. I introduced God to him. And he said, well, you know, so, so why, why isn't this happening for you? He said, you're the most faithful person I know. I said, well, the only challenging part about what you just said is God is not rewarding me based on your assessment of my faithfulness. <laughs> he's rewarding based on what he's purpose and plan for me to complete. Ain't that something? So you can't look around, can you? Yeah, <laughs> all right, you can't look around. Guess what? Ain't nobody else coming. It's you, <laughs> right? If you're looking for the answer, it's you. <laughs> You're looking for the reason, guess what? It's you. <laughs> You're looking for what God is looking for? It's you. All right? The real you. All right, so uh, I was meditating on this this week, and God was showing me something. Um, the rewards of faithfulness, we could say, we can change the name to the rewards of the blameless. Right? The rewards of the blameless. Now, the interesting thing is, as we grow in this life, we almost operate at, as if, as a Christian, we can't be blameless. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, so why try, <laughs> right? But that's not necessarily true. But let's look here at Luke 1 to start out. Let's look at Luke 1. Bless you. May the Lord take a liking to you, as Pastor Mel would say. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm going to start with verse 5. We're going to target verse 6, but I'll start with verse 5. It says, there was in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both, look, look, righteous before God, walking in all his commandments and ordinances, of the Lord blameless. What does it say there? It said they was blameless? Well, look, look, look. Now, so God didn't just show up. 
He didn't show up to birth John through anybody. He was like, they were both, husband and wife, righteous before God, walking in, how many of his commandments? What does the scripture say there? All his commandments. Now, is he talking about Jesus here? No. He's talking about Zacharias and Elizabeth, right? He said they was, what? Blameless. Doesn't it say blameless right there? Uh, very, very interesting, right? Don't you think? You know, like, like so, so bl- to be blameless can be a target. You know, so it kind of takes away our whole, we talked about this a long time ago, but it takes away our whole uh, uh, thought of nobody's perfect. You know? Can you say nobody's blameless? Well, I guess that's not accurate, huh? It is achievable. And so I was thinking about this because I think about David. David's a man after God's own heart. Why do they keep giving him that label? And if you think about it, uh, David operated a little, like David's, like the Psalms is David's conversation with God from some very interesting places in his life. You know, Psalm 51 is, you know, on the heels of him looking out his window and creating lust and messing up, you know, create me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me, right? Right? Then he says, the sacrifice of God are broken and contrite heart, right? But, but I, look here at uh, Psalm 17. Let's go to Psalm 17. We're going to focus here on verses 3 and 4, but let's just start with verse 1 just so we're not, you know, too much out of context with the Scripture, okay? Psalm 17. It says, hear the right, oh, I'm sorry, I'll give you time to get there. Psalm 17, we good? Everybody there say, no, nah, you don't have to say that. <laughs> Psalm 17, verse 1, it says, hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry, give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of feigned lips. So, 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 one, I'm saying these, these, these what I'm communicating is, is, is not tainted. So, he, so, so, he's having a conversation with God. So you want to learn how to talk to God, just watch David, right? He says, look, let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Now, how many of us just dealing with man, it's like, hey, whatever I need, whatever the the assessment or judgment of what I do, bring it. Most of us are running from that, right? But he's saying, hey, let my, he's talking to God, let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eye behold the things that are equal. Thou has proved mine heart. Right? He says, thou has visited me in the night. So, you prove my heart consciously and unconsciously. <laughs> right? It says, thou has tried me and shalt find nothing. This is David talking. <laughs> I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Now, now David's basically saying, hey, hear my prayer. But before you hear my prayer, assess if I'm worthy of it. I'm blameless. Right? You see how you're breaking that down? How many of us can, we ain't even get into the whole Psalm 17. We just, two verses. How many of us would, would say what David said? But how many of us are complaining about the circumstances we're in? 
So you would think you blameless if you complain. Because you right, 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 David? Like you, listen. Oh, look, check it out. See, see, check my heart. Check my actions. Inquire of anybody around me. This should not be happening to me right now. Right? We're not, we, we're not operating in the first part, but we expect to operate in the second part. We expect, right? You see that? <laughs> and so, so remember we was talking, uh, let's see, we was talking last week. Let's go to Mark 4. Let's go to Mark 4. We talk about the reward of faithfulness, but I want to get, hit us with the reward of the blameless because the faithful has gone through a process where, uh, remember we talked about last week, they can handle the heat, right? So they've, got to, they've gone through a process where they're so rooted in this thing, they can handle the heat. Now, in our lives, we go through stages as men and women of God. You know, so you have... Uh, we talk about this in Survival Kit, right? You got the honeymoon stage, right? In the Survival Kit class, right? You might remember that, right? So you come in, you know, when, you, you, when it talks about what? The middle of the hand is what? Come on. Indwell in Christ, right? Controlling all, right? Right? So, and I, I, know, I think the new book might say it different, but since I started with the old book way back in the 90s, the indwell in Christ controlling all, Right? Right, then you got the thumb represents what? One body, right? Two natures, right? There's the old and the new, right? Three, no, three aspects of salvation. Salvation past, salvation present, salvation future. Four sources of authority. Three inadequate sources, right? There's intellect, tradition, and Experience. There you go. But there's one true source of authority. What's that? The Word of God, right? Right? Somebody back there in the sound booth blurting out stuff. God! Right? Right? God! Y'all know who that is, right? That's Z. And then the five is what? Five and five principle. Five people you are praying for that what? That need salvation. <laughs> right. And then five people you're praying for that what? Alright, so if you got five that really need salvation, there's five that really want salvation, but you, you're really uh discipling or you're really trying to, you know, fill in the cracks for them, right? It's five and five, right? I only went through it since I mentioned the uh, survival kit, you know, just so, you know, layer learning, right? But the focus was on the indwelling Christ and the honeymoon stage. You first give your life to the Lord, it's a honeymoon stage, just like anything else. You know, I first really, when I really got it, you know, everything came out of my mouth with Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, I was playing ball that day, you know, making shots. And this guy's like, man, boy, you're really balling out here. Oh, it's just Jesus. <laughs> you know, and then I come up down court, man, boy, that was a good move. Oh, no, that's Jesus. Everything was Jesus. See somebody I, I haven't talked to in a long time. Man, you know, I just gave my life to Jesus, man. That's, that's all I was doing. Everywhere, everywhere I went, Jesus, 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 because I'm in a honeymoon stage. Then crazy stuff started happening. I'm like, hold on a second now. Did I lose something? The J, the E, or the S? The U, the S, all five? What happened? Where you at, Jesus? 
So now I'm, I'm actually now developing this relationship. So these things that's coming at me and showing, showing me where I'm at in my proximity to Christ. When I gave my life to him, I'm on the surface. Right? Remember we talked about that tree on, on, on Sunday and uh, I think it was last Wednesday, right? You can graft in that vine in, right? You put it together and you tie it with the rope. But at, at first it's just on the surface. You don't tie, if you don't tie it in, it's just going to fall off. You tie it in, but after a while it what? It engrafts. At first it's on the surface, but then it engrafts. It becomes one with the tree. You don't need a rope. So all the winds, see, without the rope, when the winds and storms come, that branch is going to fall off, right? So when we first give our lives to Christ, we're on the surface. The winds are coming. We can possibly fall off if we don't have these measures uh, through fellowship, through discipleship, through Bibleship, these layered learnings, these things to keep us roped in because we can't handle the wind yet, Right? And we don't expect the wind. We're just happy. At first, we're just happy what? We're a part of the tree. But we ain't merged, are we? We're just a part of We're just on the surface, right? And some people stay on the surface their whole life. Like, if somebody try to unloose that rope, no, no, don't let the rope loose. Don't let the rope loose. <laughs> yeah, I may fall. I may fall. But the goal is to what? Engraft, right? To merge, right? So Mark chapter 4 just a little review that we went over the other day. All right, so this is uh, the parable of the sower, right? Uh, and we focused on, on five and six, right? It says, uh, and some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. Well, it's probably not fair not to read three and four. Uh, we'll start at verse three. It says, hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow or to plant, right? It says, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up, right? Right, so, so they're not even in, in, in place, right? It says, some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth or soil and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of the earth. So when things are on the surface, it doesn't mean they won't grow. They'll, they'll grow immaturely. So they'll spring up because they, they're in the light. So this is what happens in life. You know, you have people that have a lot of zeal. They have knowledge of the word and they spring up fast. But, but since they have no depth in the soil, right? It says, it says, but when the sun was up, when the light's really shining bright, when the heat is on, it says it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. So, so, so sometimes we'll, we could chase after what's sprung up fast, but not understand it. Just because things spring up fast, that doesn't mean it's rooted in Christ, right? And so, so things spring up. We've done it. We spring up and we go, well, if I ain't doing what I'm supposed to do, how come I'm getting all these props? Give it time. The measure is if you're rooted and fruited, not if ever you got a lot of attention. Right? So, so, so that's what happens. And then we, uh, we, we read, because uh, Jesus explained, it was like, well, explain us the parables. You don't know this parable. How are you going to know any parable? So verses 16 and 17 is him explaining the same parable, right? He says, and these are, 
And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Look, and have no root in themselves, so endure but for a time. So they're enduring, they look like they're locked in, but for a time. But afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So this is the, 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 the measure when affliction and persecution and challenges come after you're in the honeymoon stage. Now you're being tested to graduate to being blameless. Right, when you first come, you're not blameless. You, you're making an exchange. You're like, hey, I'm offering my sin, you for your blood, right? But now you're, you have an opportunity to get rooted in Christ and to grow to produce fruit, not just to look good, not just to be lip service, right, but, but to have a core root. So that's tested when a demand is placed on you, right? And so the goal is, when, this said when you're on the surface, and you're not deep in the soil. That's why the Bible says they to be planted in the house of the Lord flourishes in the courts. Psalm 92, 13, right? So, so if you're not deeply, deeply rooted, now when the heat is on, when, 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 when you have a lot of attention, a lot of things coming at you, it says that person is either withered away or scorched, right? Right? So, so they can't handle it. So, but the heat is determined or the lights are determined, the bright lights are determined if we're operating in faithfulness or, as we talked about earlier, blameless, right? See, seed on the surface, not buried and rooted. You know, they spring up early, but they die quick, you know, because they're scorched and they're, they're scorched and they're burnt out, you know. And that's what happens uh, when God is trying to, to train people to be faithful uh, and blameless because he has a platform for purpose for us, people get burnt out because once they recognize they have an ability, they try to grab the ability and to use it in their own strength, not bury it deeper in God so God can use it for his purpose, right? And then they get out there and for a while they're doing fine, but, but it, it has an effect on them. You know, if we're all honest, you know, maybe some of our early years of, of, of knowing about God and a lot of people around us wasn't well-versed or didn't know about God. So you the super Christian around them. You know, actually, when I first gave my life to the Lord and got serious, stopped going to the clubs in, in New Jersey, stopped hanging out, stopped drinking, I still was, I was a baller. So I was still playing with everybody. Some of y'all watching this, you remember. And, but now I change, I'm changing up. Like, you know, we won the game. I'm not sitting around getting high. I don't get high no more. And so somebody would try to get, nah, nah, I don't do that no more. So after a while, I was like, Keith, don't do that no more, right? I'm not drinking no more. I'm not going to clubs no more. And I came up with these little lines. Ah, nah, I can't handle that. Y'all can handle it. That's my BC days. I say that to this day. I'm like, ah, oh, you still doing that? Nah, I can't do that. That's my BC days. BC, what's that before Christ? Because I'm trying to witness too, you know, since I'm looking for angles to talk to people. So I remember those days. I remember uh, to everybody else, I'm Mr. Holy. Now, they calling me Mr. Holy. I was nowhere near blameless. I was nowhere near faithful. And I was barely in Scripture. But for them, the, the, super holy. Just the fact that I mention God. Just the fact that I don't drink no more. Just the fact that I, I don't smoke no more or whatever. Don't go to clubs. I'm Mr. Holy. In some of y'all circles, they consider you Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Holy. 
But you know what holiness means, right? <laughs> Sanctification means. Maybe some of us are just stopping right there. Hey, 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 hey. I'm, you know, I know y'all probably thinking, you think you're holier now. I might be holier than thou, but I'm not holy enough for him. I still got a long way to go. Right? Maybe we should just, you know, instead of like, yeah, well, you know, you know what I did was, you know what I'm saying, gave my life to the Lord, you know. You know, I'm in, I'm in Jesus now. You know, we just, maybe we should like, no, I still got some things to, to do. Right? Does that make sense? Uh, I'm supposed to read a scripture for you here. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, 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 I'm sorry. We was talking about being burnt out. So I'm trying, Ecclesiastes 6.2 is something that um, Solomon discovered about just the reality of some of the things that on the front end looks like they're very shiny. So how it looks sometimes when we're, we've evolved, like, where it looks like things we're winning, you know, because we're in the honeymoon stage, you know, we, we get things, we obtain things, we have certain pr- platforms, uh, but if somebody would interview us in our rooms by ourselves, we're still empty, right? Because again, our roots hasn't gone deep. You, you, you feel empty and thirsty when you're not getting the proper nourishment from the inside out, and, and you get that from God, right? And so, Sol- uh, so Solomon says this in, in Ecclesiastes 6, verse 2. just wanted to read this just to confirm what we talked about earlier. It says, a man to whom God has given riches, wealth, and honor. Now, some of us would be like, oh, they got riches, wealth, and honor. I want to be like them. It says, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul of all that he desireth, yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is vanity, and, and it is an evil disease. So a sign is a person gets all of their soul desires, but their thirst still ain't quenched. Right? And this is, this is the person that springs up fast. Right? So, but on the outside, we'll go, man, if I could just be like them, because we're playing off of what the world approves, not what God approves. It's all about fulfillment. And, and, and you know, I talk to a lot of people that... Um, Behind the scenes, you know, I was talking to somebody one day. Uh, now, people know them. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to use, I'm going to just say it this way because I try to protect people, but almost like as a telecast host, right? But they don't know what the person is, is, is dealing with in, in, in every day. They just see that platform, you know, and they go, Man, I want to I wanna be in their shoes. No, you don't. You say, no, you don't. You want to be in your shoes in God, right? Because you have no idea what's happening when they're at home by themselves, right? All right, so, so, so this faithfulness uh, is the key. It's, 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 it's a big key, and it's a key that's, that's kind of slipped away because now everything's about uh, instant gratification, quick fix, you know, you could just jump. You could just jump online and do all types of stuff now, right? And so you can jump online and get the attention without the faithfulness, but you can't get the fulfillment without the faithfulness. 
You, you understand what I'm saying? And so faithfulness is, for our conversation today, it's harmony. Faithfulness is harmony. Uh, so we talked about being merged. You're merged in harmony with God's will. You're merged in harmony with God's will. So faithfulness is harmony. And so when you're not in harmony and your faithfulness hasn't met the requirements to get your reward, you deal with what we call correction. We deal with what we call correction. When things are out of alignment, they have to be corrected, right, to get them back in alignment. So correction is not a punishment. It's just, hey, we need to correct some things to get you back in alignment, right? And it's a struggle right now because a lot of times we don't want the correction because we, we've already approved ourselves. We think what we're doing is enough, right? But that's why God brings you within a body because now you got to be, people got to ask you questions. People are going to challenge you. What you're doing, you do well, but how does it flow with the team, Right? There's one thing, when I, whatever I do, I share this with all the time, I serve. So we had, we had a meeting with the singles, and it was like, so, so what, do you, what, do you, what do you think? Uh, what do you guys think? I was like, what do y'all think? We serving y'all. We, 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 we were guests to the singles, uh, was it two Saturdays ago? Because we're doing the part two this Saturday? Am, am I scheduled to be there? I'm just playing. Ah. So <laughs> we're doing part two. But, but what, what we were telling them is, no, we're service. We're, we're showing up to serve. But, but that's not a game like we are. We're serving. Like, that's what we do. Obviously, yeah, we're the pastor of the church, but we serve at anything we do. Marcus is going out of town or something. He says, hey, I need you to do sound. What do you need me to do? Do I need to be a rehearsal? Do I need whatever? So, so now I'm not in <laughs> what I look like. I'm the pastor. No. I have to serve in that capacity, all right? So, so but, but, but this is for just faithfulness. Now, uh, Pastor Mel will go, ah, oh, now we need this this way, or we need this that way, you know? Oh, we want this is one time she asked me to do artwork for, what was it, uh, One Night with a King. So, that, so what I try to do when, when I practice is get them out the way because I got a thousand other things to do, right? So I stay, I was, I, so I said, no, I'm just going to get this, knock this out. I'm going to stay up all night, and I'll put this together. And it was intricate. It had all these different layers. I said, boom, here you go. She says, well, <laughs> kind of not the way I saw it, you know. And I'm like, wow, I spent a lot of time with this. So then she gave me some ideas of what she saw. So I went back in the lab <laughs> and produced what she desired. So if you ever go back and look at the artwork for One Night with a King, Yes, I did it, but that was her idea. She gave me the, hey, well, I kind of saw a throne and I kind of saw this, right? But I'm serving her. So I don't care if I spent all night. I can't go, no, 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 no. That's not, you don't want what you want. You want what I've done. Because as a person that does graphic art, I know what you want. No, I don't. I know how to do it. She is the person that I'm offering my expertise to. I'm serving her, okay? All right. Just, we're going we're gonna to bring this meal together, okay? And so, 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 so what she did that day, she corrected me. She wanted to bring 
what I'm offering as my gift in line with the vision that she had. Was she punishing me? And actually what ended up being produced was much better than what I produced. Right? Because I got in line with the vision that God gave her. Y'all think I'm talking about me, Pastor Mel, and artwork? Okay, all right, just, all right, so correction is not indicting your gifts. Correction is not indicting your gifts. Correction is indicting your harmony. So when you get correction, it's not indicting your gifts. So sometimes people take correction as, we you trying to say I'm not gifted? You trying to say I'm not? I, mean, I was talking to somebody one day, he was like, what you trying to say I'm not anointed? it? No, I'm not. What I'm trying to say is you're not in harmony with what God's trying to do. You see the difference? Correction is not indicting your gift. It's not uh, putting down your gifts. It's not saying you're not gifted. You, you are gifted. But sometimes our gifts are out here in, in Never Never Land, and God gave us the gifts to be a part of the body. God set the members in the body as it pleases him. So a lot of times we're out there grinding for years. You know, I'm 61 now, so I've seen people out here grinding for years, and I, and, and I wish I could say, it's never going to happen out there by yourself. It's de- you're designed to be planted somewhere. So, yes, you can spring up. And you keep springing up, getting scorched. Springing up, getting scorched. Springing up, getting scorched. And every time you get sprung up, you say, well, obviously I must be doing something right. Look at the attention I'm gathering. What about the fruit you're producing? You got likes, but do you got fruit? You see what I'm saying? Like it's no, but, but since you're not measuring it by fruit, you're measuring it by attention on you, not producing the fruit God's designed for you to do. You'll, you'll keep tolerating the stress of up, down, up, down, up, down, right? Because you're not, you don't realize you're out of alignment. So, so then correction comes and you think is, I know, look, 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 I, I got 30,000 likes. I appreciate that. But you're not in harmony. So I was playing with a guy. Uh, he's playing with our team. This great basketball player. This is a great basketball player. I love this kid. And, uh, you know, he's played professional. But before he got to professional, he was playing with us. He was playing in the summer pro league with us. And he, 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 was, a, he was a smaller guard. But, boy, that boy could shoot, man. He could shoot his behind off. And his thing is, he had a lot of heart. So the way people would play him is they would attack him. Because they knew if they attack him, know what he was going to do? He was going to attack. And what I was to tell him is you won you, but you lost. Because you attacked them and left us. I said, so it's not about responding to them. It's about flowing with us. I said, you keep leaving the team. So you're over there doing your own thing over there. You're leaving the team. The vision is for us to win. So you had a private victory at the expense of the overall victory. So you can go home and say, yeah, but I dropped 30 on you. But their team can say, yeah, but you lost again. And this is what we're doing. We're doing things where we're having these, these personal victories but we're not having God's victories. So correction is trying to harmonize us back into faithfulness to flow with God. You see the difference? 
So, 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 man, they never think that you're not uh, gifted because God doesn't make anything that's not great. He fearfully, David, when David said, hey, search me. But he says, hey, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. So, but, but it has to fit somewhere to have its, its, its uh, intrinsic value. To really be valued, your, our gifts has to be plugged into God's plan. That's why 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, God set the members in the body as it pleases him. That's why uh, Genesis 2, 18 says, not good for man to be alone. Why? We, we walk through, the, we walk through the, the stages. You're alone. You could be tempted to what? Lean to your own understanding because what do you have with you by yourself? Your understanding, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. If you lean to your own understanding, that's going to take you to what? You can deceive yourself. James chapter 1, right? Look, the scripture says you could deceive yourself. If you knew you were being deceived, it wouldn't be called deception, right? Well, well, then you go from deceiving yourself. Now you have to be recovered from yourself, 2 Timothy 2. It says those that oppose themselves have to be recovered from themselves. That's why the prodigal son had to come to himself, right? Luke 15, 17, right? See, but it all started with what? Being alone. And, and, and it seems easier to be alone because, hey, I ain't got to answer no questions. You know, when people go through frustrated relationships, they're like, cool, I'll just be alone, and I ain't got to deal with you. Yes, but you also don't have to grow. You see what I'm saying? You also don't have to grow, right? So it's not good. <laughs> I was hitting a nerve over there. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's just not good to be alone, right? But it's also not good to rush into a situation where you, you have, there's, there's a person or people there, but you're still alone. Because, see, you're not led by God into your fit in alignment with his vision. So a lot of times we're led into what relief, right, but not into relationship. It's a difference. Listen, I'm not saying this as a pastor, I'm saying this as a person. Like, I did a whole lot of relief situations at the expense of relationship. And a good relationship is enhancing my relationship with God, not pulling me out of my relationship with God. Because this is the thing. There is no human being. Listen, I'm telling you right now. I'm being this wonderful, wonderful, ooh, <laughs> this wonderful person right here. Right? I'm going to tell you right now. Remove relationship with God. We ain't here talking to y'all. I'm, I don't, I'm not here talking to y'all. We was talking about that earlier today, right? Because I don't have enough. I was telling somebody this earlier. Like, I said, listen, Keith don't have enough to love Melanie. I need God. But I also said, Melanie don't have enough to love Keith. She need God. Because Keith is a very interesting dude. I'm telling you right there, that right now. You need God to deal with that, brother. For real. Like, he can really be something else. I don't need you shaking your head. It ain't look like no amen. It was like, I'm, I know what she going through. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, but, but, but we need God. Like, for real, for real. Like, for real, for real, for, for real, for real, for real. You were already over there going, for real. <laughs> right? Right? That's just, so, so if, I, if, if, if God doesn't lead me into the relationship of someone that's going to be in a relationship with God, but I lead me into a relationship that's someone I like 
and they, they, look, they look good for eyes, to eyes uh, uh, good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and I think they can make me look wiser. Remember that was, that was Eve's little thing at the garden? She had look pretty good to me. I think it'll be tasty. <laughs> right? Right? Is it? No, 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 no. So now I'm, 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 I'm led of my own lust and enticed. James chapter 1, right? Right? So now I'm, I'm in a situation where I've created a thirst that I can't shake. I, I, so, so, you know, like being led to... Uh, uh, Jolly Ranchers, I just picked any candy. It was a Z thing back in the day, Jolly Ranchers. She used to stash them at the house. I don't know if she still do that. Yeah, sweetest fish, okay? We used to feed sweetest fish, right? So you, so you led into the sweetest fish, right, versus the spinach, right? So now you create an appetite for, uh, for sweetest fish. Like take a child and they're used to eating vegetables, start feeding them sweetest fish. Come back the next day and try to give them vegetables. Like, if you out of your mind, where's those red things that look like fish? Now, now I want some poultry. <laughs> give me these sweetest fish, right? It's the same thing with these relationships. Sometimes we're going in to situations. Why did I get here? How did I get here on the relationships? Anyway, I, we're going into situations not being led by God. So now they pull us out of the presence of God. They pull us out of alignment. Right? So when a demand is placed on us, we try to meet the demand. So now we're stressed. Now we're depressed. Right? Now we don't, we don't even want to talk to the people that's special in our lives because we don't want them to know we done done something stupid. Right? Y'all you, you, you know what I'm talking about? We need to operate in the prophetic gifts in here. Right? You, you see what I'm saying? As opposed to being led by God. Now you just continue to grow. You go through. Listen. And this woman I went through a lot in 30 years, right? But guess what? Every time a demand was placed on us, we had, we had to reach our roots deeper. We, can't, we couldn't just settle for our initial response is, what's wrong with you? But it always ended up with God saying, you? You was what's wrong with her. So now, once I hear me, what, am I, what I got to do now? My roots, I got to go deeper. I need more. To either see what I need to do or have what I need to give, right? But I ain't doing that if I'm in a wrong relationship. I'm not going, going deeper to the root. Like, I'm going to my mouth to, to break you down because I, I don't trust God because I don't know God. You see the difference? Okay. All right. For whatever reason, somebody need to hear that, right? All right, maybe they'll tell me later, right? Since they arrested discernment. All right, so uh, Revelation 16 even talks about, and for the second time, I'll, uh, you can write it down, 1114. It says for, uh, I'm, I'm going to read it. You please write it down so you can go study it out. But it says, for he is king of kings and lord of lords. Look, now, now this is at the, in the last days. And it says, they that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. So, 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 when we talk about the last times, the people that Jesus is going to gather up, they're called, they're chosen, and they're faithful. See, many are called, but few are chosen. Even fewer are faithful. Many are called. I, I, you know, I was teaching in Ohio, and I taught the message, and I, 
I just start calling people out the audience. I call them all up. So they were all called. I chose three. There's no, there's no special, super special thing about being called. There's tons of people that's been called. Some people have rested in, yeah, I was called and whatever. Uh, I was called in, two, in the year 2000, 2001, I was called. Well, the Lord has called me. Many are called, right? But few are chosen. And even fewer that are chosen are faithful. So, but those are the people that's completed the process. Guess what? They blameless. <laughs> that's completed the process. Those are the people going to be with the Lord. So we can, we, can, we can play around with grace messages and all types of messages we want to play around with. But the scripture is clear. The call to chosen faithful. So, so you, you can go, well, I think that person should put me in this position. The call to chosen and the faithful, Right? So, so we talked about faithfulness as harmony. Why would we be out of harmony? Like, like how do we leave from playing our note in God's symphony? Because we are tempted to eat from somebody else's portion or somebody else's purpose. See, see, so, so, so in other words, we're tempted where somebody else gives, hey, hey, check this out. That's what happened to Eve, right? So, see, Eve was in God's presence. The adversary had to tempt her to eat, and to go eat, she had to leave God's presence. So once she left God's presence, now they knew that they were naked and they were ashamed. Before that, the scripture says they were naked and unashamed, right? And the reason why they were unashamed is because they wasn't focused on their nakedness. They was focused on God. They were in the presence of God. After they ate of the tree, it says that they knew, now they were intimate. That word know, to know, to knew is to be intimate with. Now they're, into, they're consumed with their nakedness or in our culture, we'll say, in their imperfections, in how their lip look, in how their eyes slant. Uh, you know, their head is not shaped a certain way. You know, because yeah, you, you ever see insecure, beautiful people? Yeah. Have you, ever, you ever seen that? Okay, they don't see themselves beautiful. They look at that one little thing that nobody else even sees. And, oh, man, they see this. Oh, oh, they see this. There's nobody's going to love me based on seeing whatever this is. You understand what I'm saying? Because they're not seeing through the lenses of God's eyes, right? They're looking through the lenses of man or the lenses, or they look at people and go, Mm-hmm, they look good. My wife gave this testimony, so I'm not putting her out there. Yeah, I think it was one of the relationship boot camps. She said she would come in a room, size up the room based on the woman in the room, and say, yeah, he probably going to like her. He probably going to like her. Now, I, I, I'm not paying attention to none of these people because I, I got the prize. But she was like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I know. She's picking people for me. <laughs> but, but picking everybody but who? The person that God designed for me. You see what I'm saying? And that's, that's, kind, that's kind of how we process things. But that's when we get outside of the presence of God. It says they knew that they were naked and they were ashamed. That shame comes from what? Being intimate with our imperfections. But you ain't thinking about your imperfections when you focused on God. All right? You got that? All right. So 
See, it pulls us out of alignment, and you're not going to stay. You're not going to be faithful. You, once you get out of that pocket, that's like eating that sweetest fish that uh, Kalina made me talk about, right? You know, once you, once, you, once you get that appetite in trying to eat their, their stuff, it's never satisfying. It's not designed to quench you. So you got to go further and further outside of the presence of God to try to get your thirst quenched, which is not going to happen, right? Right, so that's, that's how we get out of harmony. And, and what happens is when you start to eat of the wrong table, instead of you be eating and getting satisfied, you know, certain ner- ner- things you eat that nourish you, and you don't feel full. I mean, you feel full, like you, you're satisfied. You know, you, you, you drink water, you drink certain things for hydration, you're satisfied. There's things you drink, you, you, you stay thirsty, and it makes you even more thirsty. You know, soda, alcohol, things like that, it creates thirst, right? But you can drink high volumes of it and never get your thirst quenched. So we're drinking high volumes of something that's not designed to quench our thirst. So we're not going to stay faithful because we don't have the nutrients to stay, have staying power. You see that? Right? So, so and then when you start to take on the wrong appetite, you, you, you become greedy. Think about the people that, 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 that struggle, they struggle, they eat all the wrong things. And they eat it greedily because it creates thirst. It makes you hungry. It doesn't satisfy your appetite, right? So now you're, we, we, we get greedy. See, the, un, the, the unfaithful live off of greed. The faithful live to feed. See, see, because the, the, the faithful, their, nurse, their nutrients and their nourishment they're getting being faithful is more than enough. Their cup runneth over. So they live to feed. They're always giving. They're always giving. But the unfaithful are desperate, they're greedy, they're, they're operating outside of their, their window of purpose. So they're always operating in unsurety, so they're greedy, they're, they're constantly taking, jockeying for position. So they're living with, in the network world and, and it's always a hustle. So you spend a lot of hours and a lot of time producing no fruit. And then when you finally produce fruit, you go, look, 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 I, so a crop came up. But you don't measure when this crop came out. I was sharing this with somebody years ago. I said, you, you could, I said, you don't spend, in this particular case, this person spent years trying to produce fruit. By the time they produce the fruit, they're like, yeah, but look, I got this. I said, now look at all the hours you spent. Line up all the hours with the final fruit, and you're going to see that you just made $3 an hour. If you measure the time spent. And this is what happens when we get pulled out of our pocket. We, 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 we spend a lot of time. Like every moment with this young lady is phenomenal. It seems like I'm cheating. Like I get so far ahead because I get so filled up because I'm in God's will. I spend a lot of time with a lot of situations. I look up and I was like, what was I doing? And I was worse off. When, when, when I came up out of the stupor I was in, I was worried. I was like, how did I even get here? And I said I would never do this. I said I would never compromise who I was. I said I would, how, how did this happen? And then now, now I got to climb out of debt and things like that. How did I, I, I said I would never even use credit cards. But I'm thirsty and I'm hungry, right? And now I'm, I'm faithful 
Faithful is not even a consideration because I can't stay no place. You see what I'm saying? You see the difference? You see the shift? All right, so, so that's, that, that's what happens. We get pulled out of harmony because we're eating up the wrong table and we get greedy. And so once we start, you know, it creates a thirst, it creates hunger, we get greedy, and it pulls us out of, out of a, pocket, a pocket, right? And so, so David, when we say a man after God's own heart, now now you can think about, because when you look at David's life, if you really study it, you're like, man, can't nobody do this. If you really study David's life, like, like you're, you, you have these gifts stirring up in you, but you're tending sheep, but you're faithful at it. Then, but you know, you, things are happening out there. You're like, you know, my brother's out here doing this. Like, there's more in me, but you, you remain faithful. You don't go chasing position. You don't jockey for position. You don't orchestrate position. You stay faithful, and position finds you. Even when they call their anointed king, they didn't even call him. You don't go, hey, did you, you forgot me? No, you're still faithful behind the scenes. There is nothing behind it with them sheep that can promote you to king in the, in the, in the regular world. You're not in the army. You're not moving up in rank as a soldier. You're not, you're not going from a soldier to a certain level of government. Nobody sees you but the person that should. And, they, and they're watching your faithfulness in another man's, in the unseen, when nobody else is watching. So now you're called up, right? Well, you're called up, and now when you're called up, you get anointed to be king. But you still don't put your hands on it. You go, all right, so where's, where's my position at the castle? You go right back out and complete your faithfulness. And 10 sheep. And while you're doing that, they add on more service. Instead of going, that ain't my job, I tend sheep. I'm not a caterer. Why I got to bring them food? And, and wait a minute, was y'all there? I was anointed to be the next king. Matter of fact, I'm thinking about giving up this sheep business too. No, you stay with the sheep and you go bring lunches to, to, the, to your brothers and them that's fighting. Then you see a giant attacking. You ain't even been out there on the front line. You ain't been to military school or nothing. But you've been so faithful in God's presence, you don't even see the, what everybody else is afraid of. You just see what's disrespecting your God that you have a great relationship with because you've been faithful. Then you win the war and you still don't get your, your, your kingship. Nobody gives you a crown. You know what they do? They promote you to the front line where you can get killed. You don't go home and y'all got it twisted. Y'all know I'm the next king. I can't, be, I can't be fighting. I could die. No, you go out there and do that well. And they add another thing to your position. Oh, you know what? We need you to play the heart for the king. Listen, that's not like a warrior's kind of thing. 
of the heart for the king and you're supposed to be the king. But you do that faithful too. I mean, do you understand what the man after God's own heart, what faithfulness looked like? That he was in harmony with God's will. We don't even deal with anything close to that. And we, we flip and we trip because we don't understand that the reward of faithfulness is similar to the rewards of being blameless. Right? The rewards of being blameless. All right, so... Let's see. All right, I'm going to give you this. So, so uh, this is why, hold on, I want to give you the other thing. We're going to end with this, but I'm going to give you some pieces of this. This is why we go through something we taught here a long time ago, the self-will test, the self-will test. So we talked, taught on the test of ministries. We're going to go back over to, in the school. Uh, it may come back to the sanctuary. I'm not sure, but we talked about different tests of just growing in ministry and stuff, the self-will test. So this is when we realize God is asking us to do something that counters our own plans and desires. Like, so we, so, so, so we set our own plans, but God is asking us to do something outside of our plans. And some of us, in our own stubbornness, in our own self-righteousness, we go, that's not in my plans. But is it in God's will? So are we measuring things in line with God's will or our plans? And... This is a blast from the past. I used to share this when we first started the church. How is that working for you? Your plans, your way, how is that working for you? So, so we talk about around here that God loves us and his plans are always better than ours, right? So are we, are we going to be honest when our plans are not working out and just harmonize with God's will? Are we going to do that? So, so God has to break the self-will and personal ambition of every person he uses so that he can trust him or her to do whatever he requires in his kingdom. Sometimes even good and appropriate things, God asks us to sacrifice at times. God will sometimes even request a man, a man or a woman to do something for him and give no logical reason for it. And not always explaining his request to, uh, to his leader, God is developing a childlike faith and obedience in their hearts. Again, he's trying to correct them and get them in line with his will. And it takes uh, unflinching uh, obedience. God will even ask a leader to sacrifice what he knows to be God's will. See, because he's testing our obedience. That's why he told Abraham, he already told Abraham he was going to give him a son. That was a request, right? That was God's will. Uh, Genesis 22, you can read it for yourself. But he asked him for a son. Sacrifice your son. Now, up to that point, Abraham had no reference that there was going to be a lamb in the bush. And when you study it out, he went to sacrifice the son. His son was like, so dad, we've been through this process before. But we normally bring in some type of animal with us. He says, uh, where's the sacrifice? He looked at him and said, God will provide. Then roped him up <laughs> and put him there to sacrifice. But, but can God rope up with what our plans are and what we think? But God told me to do that. Can you get that back to God too? Right? Um, 
In all this, our desires, thoughts, feelings, and plans are put in subjection to God's will. Brings us back in harmony. All right, so, so, so Ephesians 5. Wow, this is amazing. I'm right here at Ephesians 5 already. So Ephesians 5. That's right, because we were at Ephesians 4. But Ephesians 5. And Ephesians 5, verse 17. It says, uh, it says, wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be, not, be, be understanding what is God's will. Are we playing off of God's will or what we want to do? Now, the interesting thing is this scripture is after uh, verses 15 and 16. So it says, see that we walk circumspectly. We're intentional, intentional in all of our steps, Right? So it says, see that you walk circumspectly. Then it says, redeem, verse 16 tells us to redeem the time, right? right. It says, maximize your moments because the days are evil. Then it goes to verse 17 and says, hey, be not unwise, David, but understand what the will of the Lord is, right? So it says, no matter what you do, stay in harmony with God's will. No matter how it looks, no matter how exciting it may seem, no matter how uh, uh, it may seem like, this is exactly what I wanted. Test it to see if it's in line with God's will. See, constant submission to the Lord is what Christianity is all about. Complete faithfulness is what Christianity is about. You abide me, my words abide in you. You can ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. See, but he says first what? If you abide, remain in me. We talk about that in Bible school on Saturday, uh, abiding in Christ. But if you, if you remain in me, submerged and planted and rooted in me, and my words are planted and rooted in you, you can ask what you will, but what you're asking is not what you will, it's what I will because you're submerged in me. And my words are submerged in you because you're faithful. Right? Now, how you communicate, you can't help when you squeeze out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak in, in Matthew 12. You can't help but to speak what, I, what, what I'm saying because you're in line with it. Right? See, this whole self-will test is to subject our will to God's word, both written and quickened. So, there's the written word and there's the quickened word. The Bible says the word is quick, sharpened than two edged sword. He says the words that I give you, they are spirit in their life. That word quicken means to make alive. So there's the, there's the, there's the um, logos word. That's the written word. You know, you just read through the word, some of the practicalities of it. But then there's the rhema word. There's, there's the revelation of the word, right? And so we learn this in Bible school. Uh, God sends things. Uh, when God sends stuff to us, it's revelation. He sends it through the vehicle of inspiration to trigger illumination. When things are illuminated to us, when we see, we act. But sometimes we don't really see. And when we don't see, we don't believe because it's not illuminated to us because we haven't gone deep enough in that particular word, right? And so when, when we start to go through this process, when we're being trained for faithfulness, it... Uh, subjects our will to God's word. Remember, the true source of authority that we talked about earlier. In doing this, God helps us to fulfill the scriptural admonition. Let him who boasts, 
Boast in the Lord, not in man. Boasting in the Lord means, you know, not my power, my might, but God's will, right? 1 Corinthians 1.31 says we boast in God. All things we do, we do to the glory of God. This is why God uses the foolish, despised, unexpected, and sometimes hateful things of the world for his kingdom that he might receive all the glory and credit for what he's done. It says God's taking the foolish things of the world to compound the wise, right? The low things, the things that nobody else would consider. Because he, so God, God operates in a way that's different because God is looking at faithfulness. People on the service looks at what looks grand, what looks beautiful. The person that seems like they articulate themselves well. They have great scripture memory. You know, uh, they seem, they're, they're, they're erudite and eloquent. You know what I'm saying? Like they're good orators. You know, in our culture now, people are attracted to the charismatic orator, right? And, but the orator can distract you from the fruit. We won't even see fruit. We just, as long as we're entertained. You know what I'm saying? So, but God is not, and then we'll understand. Well, I understand, like, how did that person get elevated? Because man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. He can see the faithfulness. He can see the blamelessness. He can see the consistency. The person at their core is in their heart. So a lot of times we go, I just don't understand. It seems like God breathes on everything that person does you don't see how deep they are in his presence. So a lot of times we size people up and be like, you know, I think I'm more eloquent. I can share that better. Well, you may can share it better, but you can't share it more anointing because that person actually is deep in the heart of God. So you see somebody, it seems like they ain't making no sense, but the power of God will move. The, the burden removing yoke destroyer, power of God would just saturate the place. You're like, but I know more, and I, and I think, I, I, you know, I got a better personality, but not a better heart. You see, you see the difference? You know, and, and it's, it's different. Look at, look, at, look at the level Jesus went through. Remember we talked about Matthew 26, 26 through 48, Jesus in that garden. Now remember, he was touching on all points like us, so he was showing us he got to a point well, he got to the end of any level of ability he had. He said, let this bit of cup pass for me. He asked him three times. We talked about this last week, right? But look at what he had to go through to sit on the right hand of God with all power. Look at what he had to go through before the cross, before getting beat. I mean, if you're in there, you, you're doing signs, wonders, and miracles. You know, if you had 4,000... Uh, 5,000, you done uh, healed blind eyes, you walked on water, you calmed the seas, and you in the garden going, man, if it's your will, let this bitter cup pass from me. Nevertheless, what, what, what? Not my will. Thy will. See? Be, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, you can skip that. Jesus' path to that throne was not only knowing what the will of the Lord is, he was playing off of God's will. Now, I'm not here to do my will. I'm here to do the will of the Father. Just go through his life and see everything he communicated. Not here to do my will, will of the Father. Father, the people you gave me, I kept. What you told me, I did. If you see me, you see the Father. Everything was referencing the Father. Do we do that? Or do we reference ourselves? 
Do you see the difference? So, so every, every leader in God's kingdom must lay down his or her plans and desires to fulfill God's will, even as Jesus did. So when we refuse to accept correction, which is the right way, we're drawn into perversion, the wrong way of doing things. And we'll desire things outside of God's order. That, that, that didn't come from me. I got that from uh, uh, in Juanino Bynum's book, Spiritual Inheritance. She wrote it a long time ago. It's, it's a phenomenal book, actually. Um, but that's what happens. As soon as we don't accept the correction, we're drawn into perversion. Now things are going to get twisted in our life. See, we think correction is a bad thing. But we, but we read through this in the Bible study fellowship early in the mornings, right? Um, every morning, 6 to 8, uh, on, on the conference line, Monday through Friday, not every morning. But Second uh, Timothy 3, right? All, all Scripture is given what? Inspiration of God. And it's for what? It's profitable for what? Doctrine. So doctrine is, hey, you're getting the information. You're getting a full understanding of how to operate in the kingdom, right? But what's the other part? Correction. Well, hold on. We just stop right there. So when I first get the word, I'm getting what I need to operate in the kingdom. But then as I go deeper, I'm going to experience correction. Some people, that's it. They turn away as soon as you get to the correction part, right? But correction is not a bad thing. That's the purpose of the word, right? Then, then, wait a minute, but if you make it through correction, what's waiting for you? Reproof, right? Right? But, but we think reproof is a bad thing. But we, all this is traveling to faithfulness, traveling through being called, chosen, and faithful. This is how we're traveling to be blameless and traveling to our reward. But we want the reward. We want to skip reproof. Now, at the end it says an instruction in righteousness, right? Right? But we want to skip all the other stuff, just get our reward. No, we got to go through the process, but it's not, it's, it's, it's a benefit to us. Because we're our worst enemies, our laziness. Uh, our emotions, sometimes our selfishness, our own understanding, our pride, our conceit, right? Uh, what, what, what is it? Our narcissism is what's getting in the way of our reward. It, you keep blaming the devil, but what Jesus said, uh, you know, he said that the devil's coming. He has nothing in me. Does he have something to access in you? All right? Remember we talked about the other day that door, right? Leaving that door open, right? Right? So, so, so I, I don't know if we'll talk about this next week or not, you know, but, you know, we, got, we have four weeks of God trying to set us up for our reward, but reminding us, instructing us, for some of us, encouraging us, from some of us, uh, uh, restoring us, for some of us, awakening us up back to, hey, I haven't changed. I need you to be faithful, regardless of the circumstances, okay? All right, so that's all for today. Um, any thoughts from anybody, anything that stood out for you? 
anything challenge you? Anything that confirmed something or anything that kind of, you know, I get it now. Anything stood out for anybody?